Good evening, listeners, and welcome along to Across the Line here on Tip FM with myself, Paul Carroll, on this Friday, the 1st of March 2024. Hard to believe we're in March already, but as always, we have plenty to look forward to on this evening's show. We're going to be looking ahead to all the games we're covering live here on Tip FM. Two live games this weekend starts tomorrow. Two o'clock, we'll have live coverage of Nina CBS against uh, St. Rayfield's Loch Ray in the Crow Cup semi-finals. We'll be looking ahead to that game in just a few moments' time. Then on Sunday at two o'clock, Tipperary senior footballers welcome Watford to Bansha at 2 o'clock. We'll also have live commentary of that game and Anthony Shelley will be helping me preview that game later in the show. Also a massive weekend of local soccer here in Tipperary with three teams in the last eight of the FAI Junior Cup. We're going to be looking ahead to those quarterfinal ties with Barry Ryan later in the show. And then the Sporting Edge this week features Ken McDonald. He's a world indoor rowing champion living in Moneygall. So we hear his story. And of course, Barry Drake rounds off the show with his weekly Greyhound Racing update. So all that and more over the course of the next hour. So let's get started by looking ahead to tomorrow's game. I mentioned it's live here on Tip FM. Nina CBS against St. Rayfield's Loch Ray. It's live on Tip FM tomorrow with thanks to the Abbey Court Hotel in Nina. And join me now to look ahead to that game from the Tipperary star. It's Enda Tracy. Enda, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks, Pat. Enda, it's a, it's a massive game for, for both schools, really. Um, the huge card, of course, is getting to an All-Ireland final, but an All-Ireland final that's going to be taking place in Croke Park. So both Nina CBS and St. Rayfield's Loch Ray here are just 60 minutes away from that. It, it's a huge carrot. I was reading that Donald O'Donnell spoke to Shane Brophy in the Nina Gardens during oh. the week and he, he said that they, they haven't been mentioning Crow Park uh, at all, but you know, it has to be in the back of the minds of the players. It's such a huge uh, kind of um, carrot, I suppose, for both sets of players here to chance to play in Crow Park. Uh, it is. It's just. It's a big thing. Like, and especially uh, Nina CBS probably have never played in Croke Park, and they played their the All Ireland they won in Turles twelve years ago. So, look, it's it's a big thing. Obviously, look at the start of the year, they were kind of saying throughout the Hearty campaign that the Hearty was the one, and they really wanted to win that. And you know they did that. But you know <laughs> when the chance comes around to play in Croke Park, um, especially for a large bulk of the players, they probably would never get the chance to play there. So. It's it's a huge thing and and they they won't want to leave it behind them that's for sure. Yeah, and it's it's not going to be easy. It's on in Tulla at two o'clock on Saturday, and looking at this uh, Loch Ray team, they beat Presentation Athenry um, in the Connacht final, but that was back on February the fourth, and they haven't had a competitive game since then. They won that game fourteen points to twelve, and uh, listeners will know the name of Aaron Nyland, and he was on the Athenry team, so uh, Loch Ray beat them by two points. But I suppose that time off for Loch Ray probably won't have done him as well because Nina had that game against Kilkenny CBS on the back on February 17th and, and they won that uh, well for a finish in the quarter final and that allowed them to kind of come down off the high of winning the Harty Cup final. So interesting to see kind of how, how Nina are cooked and how Loch Ray are cooked coming into this game. Yeah, it's interesting, right? I was I was kind of saying that in my um, preview piece this week that, you know, that, that game probably was a blessing in disguise. Obviously, they rotate. Uh, which champion goes into a quarter final every year? And Nina pulled the short straw this year, but it probably brought them down nicely. Um, you know, 40, 45 minutes they weren't at the races fully, and they eventually pulled away at the end. And it kind of probably shook off any cobwebs after the Hearty Cup. And uh, you know, it probably has them in a good place now, and they have plenty to work on after that game. So, um, obviously a quick. It was. It's. It's not a quick turnaround for Nina. In fairness, they've had a bit of a break, but. Um, they, they'll be hoping that a couple of eagles that uh, they picked up in that game are, are after uh, subsiding a bit. Uh, Darren McCarthy went off with a bit of an eagle and I think Jack Mulcahy went off with a bit of a hamstring injury. So 
Um, look, they've they've a tried and tested formula, and they're getting good impact off the bench. So they, they'll be um, they'll be confident going into it against the Raphael's team that uh, won a Connacht final, and be full of confidence themselves. Obviously, beat Nat and Ryan. They had lost Nat and Ryan in the previous year's final, and I, I believe Nat and Ryan bet them in the group fairly well earlier in the competition. Mm. So there are probably two teams in um, in a similar position in that they were probably underdogs for provincial finals and uh, got the job done and now they're in bonus territory so it probably has the makings of a good game if the weather plays ball a bit Yeah and Lockray um, have four players who played in the All-Ireland minor final against Clare last year and that's not including uh, Oscar O'Gorman who came back from a, an ACL injury mm. for the uh, Connacht final their centre-back and I believe he got a man of the match in that uh, semi-final or in that Connacht final I should say so they're a strong team they also have a, a, quite a number of players I think five players that played against Tipperary in the 2022 uh, minor semi-final inside in the Gaelic grounds where uh, Tipperary went on to win the minor that year so they're they're a fairly well experienced and, and well kind of a established team in terms of inter-county stars so it's it's going to be a tough task here, but as we mentioned, it's just such a big carrot for, for both teams. But what's your kind of feeling going in here to Tulla on Saturday? Are you, you kind of optimistic being a, being a past pupil, or what's your kind of feeling? Yeah, I, I, I would be optimistic, all right? I, I just feel that they're, they're a team that's well settled and they know what they're about and they know how to go about their business. Um, obviously, look, Dara is going to be fit, and even the last day, he was kind of a bit undercooked himself, kind of epitomised the, the performance of the team on the day, he missed a few freeze that he would have expected to get a three or four freeze in the first half and eventually owned up and had to go on to them and he settled down well. Um, I think there's way more in Nina and I think the, that performance against Kilkenny was the perfect stick to beat them with going into this game but as you say, look, Lockray, they've got plenty of talent on their side obviously that Alstor Gorman lad um, he was missing for the game against Atten Ryan the group stages and they probably told and I think he scored three points from the half back line mm. in that Connacht final so he's a great player to have back um, and look, the the school, the the clubs feeding that school. There, there's always going to be a dirt of talent there. So, uh, overall, though, I I think Nina are in a good spot. Um, you know that the experience of going to Clare and getting a big result in a big game. So, you'd be hoping that they can repeat the feat. And you know, if they could get to Croke Park, it'd be a savage achievement for the school. Yeah, fingers crossed. So two o'clock throwing time in Tulla. Myself and Philip Hickey are back on commentary duty for the game and our coverage on Tip FM is with thanks to the Abbey Court Hotel here in Nina. And uh, of course, if you want to read more from Enda's preview, it's on the backstage of the Tipperary Star this week. Uh, Enda, thanks for joining us on Across the Line. Thanks, Paul. Moving on, so to Sunday now and the Tipperary senior footballers are aiming for a win in the National Football League. They welcome Waterford to Bansha. The game, of course, not being played in Semple Stadium this week. Instead, it's on in Bansha at 2 o'clock on Sunday. We'll have live commentary here on Tip FM with thanks to Casey Tiles and Wooden Floors in Care. And joining me on commentary duty on Sunday and joining me now to look ahead to the game is football analyst Anthony Shelley. Anthony, you're welcome back to the show. Hi, Paul. Anthony, this is... a. Uh, it's an interesting game. It's a, it's a uniqueness about it in terms of where it's played. But as I was mentioning, it's uh, not the most unique fixture in Gaelic football. It's actually the third most played National Football League game. So Tip versus Watford is the, the third all-time in terms of how many times these teams have played each other. I think it's going to be the 57th uh, National Football League meeting between these two teams. The last time they met in the league was actually uh, down in uh, Dungarvan two years ago where it was a 10 points apiece draw when Tipperary ended up um, getting promoted from Division 4. So there are two teams that know a lot about each other. Tipperary have managed to get the better of them uh, in the last couple of years, but it's only been by slim margins. As I mentioned, that draw two years ago and then last year there was the um, one-point win in the Talton Cup. So 
you know, Tipperary will be expected to win this, but it's been tighter than maybe Tipperary people would like to admit in the last couple of years. Yeah, but uh, I think Paul, if you if you did look back at those records that uh, where where we where we have kind of struggled with them have been away from home. Uh, at home, I think if you go back to twenty twenty two, we beat them by seven or eight points. Uh, in um, our twenty twenty one, you know, and in the championship as well in twenty two, we beat them by seven or eight points. So. Uh, while we have traditionally struggled when we went to Waterford, particularly down to Farrer Field, um, we we have got over the line against them fairly comfortably yeah, in our home game. So you'd be hoping that while Banch has a unique fixture for us, it's not going to be the wide open spaces of uh, of Central Stadium. Uh, you you would be hoping that this is one that should get us back in the horse again. And uh, after a disappointing defeat last last Sunday. Yeah, and look, I was looking at the league table there, and you know Tipperary are, are down on the league table at the minute. Of course, so only the three points from the four games. But if Tip were to win the remaining games, Watford, Wexford, and Leitrim, what Tip would need then is is kind of it's kind of nearly given that Leash are going to finish in the top two. Um, they're on eight points, but you're kind of looking at Carlo to lose two of their three games and Leitrim to lose two of their three games, and then that would give Tipperary a chance, depending on how other fixtures go. So. It's, it's not fully out of the the realm of possibilities yet, but I suppose all Tip can do is just try and keep winning a few games and see what see what happens and see what plays out going up to Carrick and Shannon on the last day. Yeah, I think if you believe in fairies, Paul, you might think we still have a chance. But um, <laughs> they, um, you know, I I was looking at it last week, and you're going back to the nineties before you can find any team going up on nine points, and that's all we'll have. You know, you generally you don't you generally need eleven to go up. The odd time you can go up with 10, but uh, I think the next we can get now is nine. And uh, I haven't seen that happening in, in the, you know, prior to 1999 anyway. I, I think our, our promotion chances are gone, but, you know, we, we're coming here with one win, one, one draw, and quite possibly should have four wins. And, uh, you know, maybe... We haven't got the result that maybe our performances have have deserved, and that might be down to a small bit of transition in the team and maybe a bit of inexperience. But um, it would be nice now if we could turn those performances into three wins in the last three games. Yeah, and I, I like, you know, I'd imagine wins here in the in the last couple of games, and just any wins for a young team and new management would be massive going in for the. The second half of the season, when the the championship and if it's going to be an All Ireland Championship or a Talton Cup after that, but that you have a bit of momentum coming in at the tail end of the league. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That and that's exactly what this young team gets needs. And also, Paul, this is this is an opportunity. I think we've been very, very dependent on Sean O'Connor and maybe to a lesser extent Jack Kennedy to get our scores. Like the last day against against. Um, Leash, we only we only had three scorers in the game, you know, and I think this is a game for for us to maybe spread our scorers out over, you know, throughout the team. Like uh, Watford have been conceding nineteen scores per game, and if you look at the look at the last game, uh, I think it was it Carlo they played? Mm. Carlo had eleven different scorers, and um, when they played Leash, it was. Something or when when they played Wexford, it was something. It was something similar. Ten different scores. So, you know, we need to to get our forward scoring, and I suppose the best way of doing that is to play.
say our forwards in the forward position uh, too too often in this league. We've been leaving Sean O'Connor. We commented on it a few times last week. The gap between Sean O'Connor, a full forward, and the rest of, of the team is way too big. It can, sometimes it can be 50, 60 yards. Uh, so this is a game that I think we can go 15 on 15. Um, you know, at the back, really, you know, old, old, old school, like for 15 and 15, pick up their danger men up front, you know, men mark them. Uh, that'd be probably the two Currys, Stephen Curry and Jason Curry, the mm. two fine players. So, uh, and, and we don't all, all have to be at too, too often. We've, you know, when, we, when we've overturned, we're, we're coming out probably a bit too slow and, and, uh, we don't have the option of 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 the long ball. You know, it's it's Sean or it's it's into Sean O'Connor or nothing, and we're not getting the shots off that the amount of possession in game in games would suggest we have. So, for this game, I would like to see us go 50, 15 and fifteen, and maybe you know run up like Watford are conceding an average of nineteen scores per game, um, and they're only scoring nine. So. Uh, I would like to see us maybe for a change, maybe get eighteen or nineteen scores, whether that be, you know, two sixteen or or eighteen points or whatever. But have a have a have a greater spread of scores throughout the team because Sean O'Connor and um, Jack Kendy are are account for sixty five percent of our scores. So you know, this is a chance for everybody. You know, when you grow up as a forward. You don't dream about tracking back and, and all that. You dream about scoring. Like so, I'd like to see us play maybe with a with a sense of adventure. Uh, play, uh, keep at least four fellas up front at all time, and see can we get that eighteen or nineteen scores that would should be enough to get us over the line. Well, we will see come Sunday, 2 o'clock in Banchez, the throw-in time. Myself and Antti will be bringing you live commentary with thanks to Casey Tiles and Wooden Floors in care. So until Sunday, uh, Anthony, thanks for joining us on Across the Line. Yeah, no problem, Todd. And many thanks to Anthony Shelley there for joining us looking ahead to Sunday's game, 2 o'clock throw-in time in Bansha. And also just a couple of things to mention this weekend. The very best of luck going out to the Drummond Inch Junior B Hurlers. They're in the All-Ireland uh, Seri- All Junior B Hurling Series final. They're taking on Munaline of Limerick and it's on in Kalidi at 1 o'clock on Saturday. So they're looking to uh, do the Tipperary double after Shannon Rover's Junior B team won the football last weekend. Uh, hopefully Drummond Inch can get the job done there tomorrow. 1 o'clock throw-in time in Kalidi against Munaline. And also condolences going out to the Cusson family in Nakavilla on the death of Brendan Cusson, a former uh, checker so uh, we uh, send on our condolences to all involved there with the cousin family on the passing of Brendan but we're going to take an ad break now and after the ad we're going to be looking ahead to a massive weekend of soccer with the Tipperary three Tipperary teams in the FAI Junior Cup quarterfinals we're going to be looking ahead to those games with Barry Ryan just after these and you're very welcome back to part two of Across the Line here on Tip FM with myself, Paul Carroll, on this Friday, the 1st of March, 2024. Now, we, before we look ahead to the weekend's soccer action, of which there is many huge games involving Tipperary teams, just a couple of other things to look forward to this weekend. We'll start with athletics because earlier today, Charlene Maudsley ran, ran a very dramatic heat in the women's 400 metres over in Glasgow at the World Indoor Athletics Championships. Her and two other athletes finished in second place and in a three-way dead heat. So they both finished, They all, all three of them finished at 52.23 seconds. Fortunately, that was enough to qualify for tonight's semi-finals 
of the women's 400 metres. So that's going to be getting underway at about 10 to 9. So uh, the very best look to Charlene Maudsley there of Newport Athletic Club, uh, representing uh, Tipperary, Newport and Ireland uh, very well, as she tends to do in her brilliant career so far. So we wish her the very best of luck this evening. Uh, also this weekend, we have the Tipperary Junior Camogie team. They take on Galway. That's on Saturday at 2 o'clock in the County Camogie Grounds. That's in Division 2B of the league. Also, the Tipperary Minor Camogie team, they start their All-Ireland Minor A Championship on Sunday at 2 o'clock. Uh, they are at home to uh, Kilkenny in the County Camogie Grounds in the RAG. Tip Ladies footballers are also in action. They take on Westmead and Mullingar, 2 o'clock throw-in time uh, on Sunday for that game in the National League as well. And also the AIL returns this weekend. Uh, so we'll have Nina Ormond, Cashel and Clamel all in action. All on Saturday at half past two, Cashel our way to Ballymena. Nina Ormond are at home to Old Crescent and Clonmel in Division 2C are at home to Clogher Valley. So a very busy weekend uh, of action there as well. Uh, so now we, I did mention there's three massive games in the FAI Junior Cup involving Tipperary teams down to the last eight and we have three Tipperary teams uh, in the quarterfinals all taking place this Sunday. To talk through those games, I'm joined on the line by soccer analyst Barry Ryan. Barry, you're very welcome back to the show. Hi, Paul. Barry, we've a massive, it's a massive weekend for uh, junior soccer in Ireland with the quarterfinals of the FAI Junior Cup, but massive weekend for Tipperary soccer because three Tipperary teams are in the last eight of the competition. Clonmel Celtic at home to Cockhill Celtic of Donegal, then Peak Villa are away to Gorey Rangers in Wexford, and uh, St. Michael's are away to Villa FC in Watford. All these games on Sunday. We'll start with the uh, the game that's up first, the only game that's on in Tipperary. Clonmel Celtic hosting uh, the favourites for the tournament, Cockhill Celtic at one o'clock on Sunday the bypass massive weekend for, for the club in Clamwell but a, a massive opportunity here as well albeit they've drawn the, the cup favourites here in Cockhill Celtic Yeah look I suppose the first thing you, when the draw when you're going into the draw you want to secure a home tie and Celtic have managed to do that at the bypass but look I suppose Cockhill Celtic are the favourites for the tournament they were an intermediate side last year competing in the intermediate, intermediate senior cup in Ulster but that, that division actually folded so by default they ended up back in junior football which a lot of people straight away felt then are they a level above this and so far in the cup that's proved to be the case no one's managed to take them down um, against they played Bunkrana in the Ulster quarter final last Sunday and the game went to penalties and they actually lost one of their most influential players with a serious injury uh, one of their key midfielders so Thomas Celtic who were in attendance at the game well obviously that will be a little bit of a boost for them um, but I still think it's a formidable tie against Cockhill Celtic their striker alone um, has played with Finn Harps in the League of Ireland and is a very very well regarded centre forward um, and all over the pitch they have underage internationals um, they have guys who play the League of Ireland I think it'll be a really really difficult game for Thomas Celtic yeah and uh, even the fact that they might be a, a bit happy with the fact that Cockle had to go to, to penalties last week as well. So you know, it's a long old trip down from, from Donegal down to South Tipperary as well. So you know, Clamel might feel that they can there there is something there for them given those factors as well. Yeah, absolutely. And look, Clamel Celtic will, will be buoyed by the fact they beat Letter Kenny from Donegal in the last round. You know, and obviously Letter Kenny got very leggy as that game went on. You know, is that a factor in terms of the journey and stuff? Letterkenny did come the night before and so will Cockhill but it's still a long journey you're not sleeping in your own bed you're up early in the morning it's a different routine um, and Thomas Celtic will feed off every one of those things they'll have a really really strong support over in the bypass they look to create an atmosphere they're really making a tough away day for Cockhill um, but I suppose ultimately the question will come down on the pitch will Thomas Celtic be able to deal with the trek from set plays from Cockhill they're a big physical strong side um, and look it's a, it's a fascinating tie 
Um, I, I, my gut feeling tells me Thomas Celtic will have it all to do though I just feel Tom, I just feel Cockle Celtic are really really strong side and there's nothing intimidating about the bypass in relation it's a beautiful pitch for playing football it's an excellent pitch it's an excellent facility they have over there as well um, so I think they'll have a really really tough game in their hands but fingers crossed for Thomas Celtic will be absolutely fantastic it's a game I'll be at myself um, and it will be absolutely fantastic if they could turn Cockhill over. So that's one o'clock on Sunday. Two o'clock then in Wexford, Gory Rangers are hosting Peak Villa from Thurles. This is at two o'clock. So this is a, a big chance here for Peak Villa because if they were to win this, they'll have a home semi-final tie. And, you know, Peak Villa have, you've seen him progressing in the last couple of years, finally got that league victory last season. But I, I feel like they'll want to go far in these cup competitions. And you know, here is a good chance now against Gory Rangers to get to a, a home semi-final. Yeah, look, I was in attendance at Peak Villa's game against Villa of Waterford last Sunday, and there was elements of that where Peak Villa were fantastic and they were the better side for, for large chunks of that game. Um, and I think they need huge confidence from that. It was individual errors cost them in the end. And often that isn't the worst thing because you go into the following week really, really tuned into little bits and pieces that went wrong in the previous game. And I just feel Peak Villa might be primed to have a really, really good performance in Gorey. Gorey also have their own issues. Their centre-back and captain, um, Paul Walsh, has left to go to Bray Wanderers. Um, I think that's I think that's a huge loss for them. Um, they've also had a little bit of issues with goalkeepers. They signed a goalkeeper during the, the winter transfer window in January, so he's very very new to the club. Um, he'll start on Sunday as well. Um, and the centre forward that they had last year in the semi final against St Michael's has left and went to intermediate football with Arslow Town. So Gorey have a lot going on themselves, but it is a home tie for Gorey. They are a team that have been around um, the latter end, latter stages of these competitions, and it's still a formidable um, tie for Peak Villa. But I think they will go there with an awful lot of hope. Yeah, and I suppose Gorey will be looking themselves to, to go maybe one step further than they did last year. As you mentioned, they played St. Michael's last year. Michael's have a very difficult away tie down in Watford against Villa FC. And Michael's coming in off the back of winning the Munster Junior Cup semi-final last weekend. will be coming in with a lot of confidence, but they're a very experienced side. They're very much uh, adapted to cup games and getting over the line, be it set pieces or whatever. So this is going to be really an all-star clash down in Watford, two o'clock on Sunday. Yeah, look, this is the game of the rounds um, for everybody in the country, no doubt about it. There will be a huge crowd in Ozier Park. For me, it's a real clash of styles. Uh, Villa Warford are very much your modern-day junior football team with Connor Code over them. It'll be play out from the back, Craig Dumpy. Get it down, he'll play it out. Um, they play 3-5-2. Um, they'll, you know, it's literally play through the lines. It's very, very expansive. Um, I thought there was times up in Turles last week where they did it in the wrong areas on a soft pitch. Um, with a gale of a wind and stuff like that. They just play their style regardless. But it'll be different on Sunday in Waterford because they play on their own AstroTurf. It's a big, huge open AstroTurf, loads of space. Um, so they will look to impose their game on St. Michael's. Whereas St. Michael's are very much, they can adapt their style to whatever the game is, whatever the challenge is, whether they're coming from behind, whether they get into a lead. Um, so it'll be really, really interesting to see how they go about it. What Villa Waterford play with a back three, St. Michael's play with a front three. If St. Michael's leave that front three high, Will Villa Waterford be brave enough to go man for man? They're the questions that St. Michael's will ask of them on Sunday. Um, so it's, it's going to be fascinating. Villa Waterford then will say, we're not going to put long balls down on top of Paul Breen. We're going to look to move him around. We're going to get people moving in front of him. We're going to give him a different challenge. Now, Paul Breen has saw off every challenge throughout his career. So that will be fascinating as well. So it, look, it's a game that really whets the appetite and it's, it's impossible to call that one. Yeah, and it, 
just allows us to maybe maybe dream of a semi-final peak villa at home to St. Michael's in an FAI semi-final it would be un- unbelievable if the two teams uh, could manage to win and if you had Clamell Celtic and, and the other side of the draw as well it would just be unbelievable so massive weekend uh, for the TSDL in particular but Tipperary soccer as a whole so the very best to look to Clamell Celtic peak villa and St. Michael's just before I let you go Barry we're both uh, Man United fans they're playing City at half three on Sunday uh, you're probably not too confident going into this because I know I'm not no, look, uh, people often accuse me of being the most optimistic Man United fan in the world, but um, there's a couple of last man standings going at the moment, and I've entered both my son, Ben and Sam, as Man City for this weekend. Um, <laughs> I just think Man United can see too many chances to give up 20 to 25 shots a game lately, and I think going to the yet that's only going to end one way. There'll be a lot of people happy with that, but myself and yourself might be having a very quiet weekend. No, no, 2 1 McTominay, two let goals. Right, thanks for that, Barry. And well, uh, I'm sure you'll be catching up with Ronan on uh, Monday evening, uh, looking back on those uh, massive FAI Junior Cup quarterfinals. Thanks a million, Paul. And always great talking soccer with Barry Ryan. Now, just before we go for our second ad break, just commiserations to Dylan Slevin, who is over in Minehead. The Burskane man was competing in the UK Open uh, in the darts. He went out in the third round, won his first, came into the tournament in the second round, uh, beat Aaron Monk 6-4, averaging about, four, averaging about 94. And then in the uh, third round, he was drawn against Luke Woodhouse, the world number 38. And uh, again, Dylan had a brilliant performance, averaged over 100 for large parts of it, uh, but was beaten 6-4. Missed a double topsy on a on a one ten finish uh, to save the match when it was five four, but was beaten six four there by Luke Woodhouse. Uh, but commiserations going out to Dylan Slevin there. But as I said, we are going to take a second ad break, and we will be looking ahead to the weekend's greyhound racing, and we'll also be hearing from a world indoor rowing champion Ken McDonald after these. And you're very welcome back to the third and final part of Across the Line here on Tip FM with myself, Paul Carroll, on this Friday, the 1st of March, 2024. Now, each week we speak to a different Tipperary sporting person about their journey through their sport in the feature called The Sporting Edge. And this week I spoke to Ken McDonald. He's a resident of Moneygall, but a former uh, or a native of Limerick, but a resident of Moneygall. But he won two gold medals last weekend at the World Indoor Rowing Championships. So I spoke to Ken this week about his journey through the sport of indoor rowing. The Sporting Edge on Tip FM, funded by Commission Naman, with the television license fee. So joining me now is a man who's a world indoor rowing champion. It is Ken McDonald. Ken, great to have you on. Thanks a million, Paul. Great to be on. Yeah, Ken, um, it's it's world uh, indoor rowing. You're, you've uh, won two world championships in recently. Um, so it's indoor rowing, so it's uh, it's on the, the machines. Tell us a bit about how you kind of got started into, into the sport. Well, I started a long time ago when I was 14. I um, was approached by a friend from school and asked to join Shannon Rowing Club in Limerick. Um, so I went down at the age of 14 and started uh, trying to perfect my my uh, my skill at, at rowing. I was failed at every other sport, so <laughs> I went down and gave the rowing a go um, and loved it from day one. Um, just enjoyed the, the physicality of it and the, the challenge um, trying to perfect the, the skill of rowing. So initially, uh, my sport is on is on is actually on the water um, in eights, fours, uh, doubles, singles, um, single skulls, um, and then the the rowing on the rowing machine is, I suppose, goes hand in hand with the the strength conditioning side of it um, in the in the gym, um, and there's outside of the the water 
training um, and water, you know, racing on the water. Uh, mm. We also race on the Concept 2 rowing machine, which is the sort of standard machine you'd see in every, you know, gym in the country. Um, and, you know, the sports complex or, or school, and that would be the, the sort of uh, standard um, machine for testing. Yeah. Um, you know, the likes of our Olympic athletes and our, um, our world, I suppose, world, world championship athletes. And so were, were you were you originally um, kind of participating in uh, like outdoor normal rowing as you'd see it before transitioning over or how, how did that work out? Yeah, well, it's, like I say, it's, the, the, the two of them are sort of hand in glove, really. Um, if, if the weather is is unrowable, we'd come into the gym and we'd we'd go onto the onto the rowing machine and we'd we do our training on the on the rowing machine. And we'd test on the rowing machine. So. You know, um, during the winter in particular, if, if conditions are really bad or, you know, before work when it's dark, you can't get out on the water, you know, we'd be either in the gym doing weights or we'd be on the rowing machine or on on the, on the bike or, you know, anything that gets the, I suppose, gets the heart rate up and challenges the, the body. But the, the rowing machine is, you know, it's a similar moving pattern to, to what you do on, on the water. It's probably not a technical because you've got your oars and that when you're on the water. So... On the water, you two different types of rowing, I suppose. You have sweep rowing, where you have one oar out the side of the boat, and then sculling is where you have two oars, mm. and one in each hand, and bow side and, and stroke side. So, yeah, like um, competition has been ongoing for years, um, indoor rowing. Um, it's definitely exploded in Ireland over the last number of years with uh, Joe Canfin from Rowfit taking over the mantle of running and uh, the indoor rowing championships in January every year and that's a massive um that's a massive event held in the University of Limerick um uh in January and there's huge crowds and it's comparable to the I suppose the world championships in you know in, in the standard that Joe has set and um, there's you know over a hundred row machines uh, connected to computers and large screens and a huge a huge um turnout of athletes from all over the country and athletes even come in from abroad race in the Irish um, indoor rowing championships and when did, so you started when you, you said about 14 15 when did you first kind of start competing then well on the, the concept two I suppose I started competing maybe you know 18 or 19 and you know just uh, you know a few, a few races here and there and um, but mainly on the water you know my I suppose my first success I started rowing with Shannon Run Club in Limerick to run the, the bridge, Sarsfield Bridge. It's a fantastic uh, building um, in Limerick City there. Um, and I, you know, I, I joined the Guards in 2000, uh, sorry, in 97, 96 I joined the Guards and I won my first um, intermediate Irish Championship in 97 with, with the Guard Boat Club. And then in 2000, I won my first senior Championship with with um, with the guards, um, um, and that was the first time in 14 years the guards had won us. They haven't, unfortunately, won it since. Um, so then, after the 2000 uh, championship, I I realised that I wasn't too far off the international um, Irish um, lightweight setup. So yeah. I I had pulled the time on the row machine for a 2k, which was. Uh, 627 and if i could pull 624 
I'd make inroads to the Irish national team. So with a little bit more training, I I made that time and was invited to to row with the the national team, which I did from 2003 to 2006 um, on the water, and I was successful in that. Um, we won um, we won a silver medal at the World Cup in Lucerne in 2005, and I represented Ireland at the World Championships in 2004 in a quad which is a four-man boat with yeah with with um two oars each so that's sculling um and in the meantime then I because I had to make lightweight I I finished up rowing with the guards and I went down to a club in in Bridge in Dublin called Commercial and paired off with a partner there and I was fortunate enough then to make it into the senior crew there and we won the the senior race in 2004 and 2005, and we also won the the quad senior quad in 2004. And I came back down to to Limerick then 2005, um, back to my own club, Shannon Rowing Club, and met one of my crewmates, uh, Brian Collins, um, and we sort of made a pledge that we'd bring the we try and win the the senior race, which is the sort of blue ribbon event of Irish rowing, and we try and win that. Um, with with Shannon Rowing Club, so in 2007, after um, failing of course in 2006 because we crashed our boat just before the start of the race in 2006. But in 2007, we um, we rode a composite with with a rival crew actually, um, a rival club, St Michael's Rowing Club from Limerick also, and we won the we won the eight that year. So it was the first time in 80 years that a, a Limerick crew had won the, the Senior Eight Championship. And all all the time then I was I was you know training on the on the on the row machine and and um, you know I, I won a few um, Irish indoor national championships um, uh, during that during that period of time, but it wasn't really until I suppose 2014 I um, I went to Boston and raced at the World Championships in Boston and um, and the gold medal over there. In, uh, at the indoors um, and by doing that then I broke I came back to Ireland and there was there was um, a, a lad from, from Dublin who was the Irish national indoor rowing champion and he had the Irish record so we raced off he had won the, the world championships in 2013 and 2014 we went head to head and um, we we raced against each other in Limerick um and I was fortunate enough to come out the the side that you know that I, I won and set a new Irish record at the time, and um, so so yes, yeah, success was. I, I was I, look, I put in the training. I was training three times a day. Um, wow. When I was when I was rowing with the, the national team, and and then generally I'd be rowing twice a day. So I'd, I'd train before work, I'd train at lunchtime, and then I'd maybe you know train in the evening. So I was doing a lot of training and. You know, you trying trying to make weight as well because I row lightweight. So to row lightweight on the water, you have to be seventy kilos. But to row lightweight on the Concept Two row machine, you have to be seventy five okay. kilos or under. And so that's always another little stressor. You know, coming into competition that you're you're trying to make weight. Maybe you know gradually over maybe five weeks coming into an event. So usually I'd walk around at around seventy seven, seventy eight kilos. But to get down that Last few kilos um, can be, you know, a bit of a struggle. You definitely have to be disciplined 
to, to get down because in rowing we're weighed two hours before we race so you don't have the opportunity to you know like a boxer maybe the day before yeah to, 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 to try and rehydrate up, and put yeah. the weight back on so you have to be sensible about your approach to you know to dropping that that weight so that's always an added um stressor i suppose coming into coming into an event like looking at at, at yourself we mentioned there you got the the gold medals in the indoors in in prague um how recently was that and kind of what's your your plans going forward then so i so that was just at the weekend um and i flew over to prague on the thursday i raced in the 2000 meter um world championship event on the friday and then again on the saturday i raced in the 500 meters so it's you know it's i suppose the stress and, and, and just my nerves, like your nerves are actually because um, I don't know if you've ever done any rowing or attempted to, to sit on a rowing machine or, yeah, you know, go as hard as you can for 2000 meters. It's like that is the, the standard Olympic uh, distance. Um, and it is horrendous. You know, it's, it's really, really tough. And, and then the 500 meters is tough. It'd be comparable to the, the 400 meter track, you know, where you're, your body is just it's just flat out like lactic, flat out lactic. yeah fat, you know particularly in the last 100 metres because with 30 metres to go in the 500 metre final um, I was still within world record pace but I just couldn't I just couldn't um, keep the we refer to it as the splits or the speed that yeah. I was having and I just couldn't keep it down it's like trying to do a bench press and you just can't get the bar up you know it was my my mind was trying to problem solve as to which part of my body I could exert more um, effort to try and keep it down so I could break the record. But look, I'll come back. I, I will break it. I'll come back again and I'll, I'll break it. Um, and look, it's no it's no harm to look. It was great getting the gold medal. Um, but it, like it would be nice to to break that record. And look, I'm fortunate enough. I have three world records. I've um, world record with uh, a 24 hour world record with um, the Irish rugby legends which we broke during COVID for charity and then last year, last April um, we I broke world record with, with nine other guys nine top former international oarsmen um, for the Gavin Blinn Foundation we raised, we raised a good bit of money for them um, and, and look, the sport is fantastic, you know, I was involved with Share a dream. I was on, I was on Tip FM actually talking about this before, where I um, carried a rowing machine up Karen Tool, wow, um, and rowed ten thousand meters at the top for for um, Share a Dream in Limerick. Going forward for yourself, um, you mentioned kind of the breaking the, the world record is, is your goal. Um, so how how much how longer do you think you're you're going to be you're going to be doing this? Um. Well, well, look, I suppose I haven't really put a time scale or time frame on it um, I'm going to actually get back into a boat with my club in Limerick and I'm going to row with the with the senior crew um, in an eight and try and give the national championships uh, a go in July um, so in the meantime I'm going to train away and I'll probably maybe in a month or two months I'll, I'll give the 500 metres record a go um, and see see how that goes. I was look I was lucky enough. I broke the Irish record in the two k on on uh, on Friday um, at the at the 
the world world championships. So that was a that was a nice uh, little bonus, I suppose. And and the the Europeans were actually run consecutively. So I for half the work I got twice the reward. I got um, <laughs> a good time to European, show up on form. Two European gold medals as well, which is which is nice. So I was um, I was nearly stopped coming through security in the airport. <laughs> <laughs> I was like B.A. Baracus with all the the gold hanging off me. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a yeah. it's a it's a brilliant story, and um, we'll be keeping an eye out o- over the coming months for for a a, a money goal resident breaking a breaking another world record. So Ken, thanks a million for joining us here on across no the line. The very best look going My forward. My pleasure. Great, thanks very much. The Sporting Edge on Tip FM, funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. Interesting chat there with Ken McDonald as he uh, came home there from Prague with two gold medals at the World Indoor Rowing Championships. Uh, actually more, as he mentioned, it doubled up as the European Indoor Rowing Championships as well. So he came home with a big haul from Prague last weekend and brought it back to money goal. But now, as always, on a Friday evening, it's time to talk dogs with Barry Drake. Tip FM's Greyhound Update in association with Greyhound Racing Ireland because this runs deep. Once again, there's plenty to look forward to on the Greyhound front over the course of the weekend with plenty of top-class racing action down for decision. We're going to start down in the Kingdom Greyhound Stadium in Tralee tonight where we have the €26,000 prize fund uh, semi-finals of the 2024 Juvenile Classic uh, taking place. It's been a wonderful uh, competition over the last couple of weeks at the uh, Kerry uh, Stadium and uh, expecting more big performances uh, tonight. Ballymac Patriot is one for the home team uh, in the opening semi-final. I think this ground is a massive future. Uh, 28-22 in the clock last time uh, for the powerful Ballymac Kennels. I can expect this to make every yard of the running there in the opening semi-final. Moving on to the second semi-final, Coolavani Otto is the big Tipperary hope uh, here training Kappa White uh, by Graham or sorry, by Pat Buckley, I should say. Uh, Graham Holland, of course, is represented as well. We'll touch on that shortly. But the Pat Buckley train runner, Kula Vaniato, um, set a, a sensational debut performance two weeks ago when winning in 28.04, followed up last time in 28.55. Tully and May Puppy, it's one of the hottest prospects in the world of Greyhound Racing. And um, despite a, a tough-looking draw in trap number five, with any luck in running, I think Kula Vaniato, uh, will prove tough to beat. Uh, as I said, of course, Graham Holland, uh, the golden base trainer, is well represented uh, in the competition. His best hope may come in the opening uh, semi-final there with uh, Baby Bacco, who looks sure to go well in that one. But as I said, Ballymac Patriot certainly will take the world of beating in that opening semi-final. Back to the local action uh, in Clanmel tonight, of course. Uh, good care down for the season in Clanmel tonight, it has to be said. Uh, getting under the way there at 7 uh, 30 and uh, I'm going to look ahead to race number 9 which is the Clonmel track members A2550 stake semi-final trap number 1 Daring Bowie uh, looks to have strong claims here from the inside of the track what a wonderful servant it's been for Stephanie Maguire Peter Woods uh, the owners of course and trained by Michael Mead 22 times a winner think that one can go very well there from the inside of the track the other one with a chance is Glavin Best who's been running consistently well in recent times uh, for Michael O'Sullivan who'll be making the uh, short trip up from Yall. 
Uh, so that's the racing in Clonmel there tonight. And uh, turning our attentions to Turles, of course. What a night in Turles um, last uh, Saturday night with a massive crowd uh, in attendance. And it was all about sing-along Dolly. Dolly in the feature race, of course, winning for trainer Pat Buckley. A massive crowd, of course, came out to support that Tipperary GA there uh, last Saturday night in Turles, which was absolutely fantastic to see. A couple of good finals down for decision uh, tomorrow night, of course, uh, 7.35 start. Let's start with the Paz Bear Upper Church A5 525 final with €1,600 Euros, uh, to the lucky winner. Uh, Gold Mind Oscar should go well from trap number one for trainer Richard Purcell and uh, owned by Francis Tobin and Martin Costigan. A 29 second win or winner last time. That was a career best winning performance and going on that should go very close. Of course, uh, Kearney's Gold Mine uh, is also representing the same connections, of course. Uh, the Litter Brothers here, 28.92 on the clock last time. Both are expected um, to battle it out there. And I'm just going to give us a narrow vote to trap number four, Carney's Gold Mine. But as I said, it uh, really is a great final there. Uh, two races later, in race number seven, we have the Diddy Mackey uh, Memorial A3525 final with 2,000 jurors to the winner. This is another great competition, of course, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Bull Run Buggy clocked 28.99 when winning last time for James Quinlan and Turles. That was a massive performance, and that certainly has strong claims. The same can be said about Knock Row Ash uh, for Sean Lyde in County Tipperary. 29.23 last time, four wins from six career outings both of them I look set to battle it out there in that uh, feature final so as I said a really good night of race down for the season once again in Turles on Saturday night and I know they're expecting another big crowd back to Clanmel on Sunday night of course um, some good racing action down for the season as well in Clanmel on Sunday night of course and uh, very much looking forward to that gets underway there at the usual start time of 6.29 live on Greyhound TV of course and at Sky Channel 4 at uh, 27 of course and uh, Clanmel has proved very popular um, since being streamed out uh, I suppose worldwide in recent weeks and uh, some really good racing to look forward to there um, on uh, Sunday night. In terms of uh, predicting a winner, it looks uh, fiercely competitive uh, in truth. But Bogcross Bog Rapido um, has very good claims there in uh, race uh, number nine. Um, should go very well and uh, expecting a big performance in that. I'd certainly be keeping a close eye on that in Clanmail on Sunday night. Big racing as well down for act, down for decision, of course, in Curraheen Park in Cork on Saturday night, where we have the 5,000 euro to the winner time Greyhound Nutrition Cork Cup final. Golden base trainer Graham Holland is represented with two. Faye Point Susie could be the best of his uh, in that race. So that's it uh, for me this week. Look forward to catching up again next week. And many thanks to Barry Drake there for his always informative piece on the weekend's Greyhound racing action, both here in Tipperary and further afield as well. But that just about sums up all we've got time for for this week's edition of the show. Reminder, two live games on air this weekend. Nina CBS versus St. Rayfield's College Loch Ray in the Crow Cup semi-finals is live at 2 o'clock tomorrow. And that's on Saturday with thanks to the Abbey Court Hotel in Nina. Then on Sunday, Tipperary versus Waterford in the National Football League is live from Bansha at 2 p.m. with thanks to Casey Tiles and Wooden Floors in Care. So many thanks for all my guests for uh, making the show possible and for you, the listeners, for tuning in to this week's edition of the show. Carol Power is coming up after the 7 o'clock news. I'll be back on air tomorrow for that Nina CBS game and I look forward to that and look forward to all games this weekend. And uh, until next week's edition of the show, it's bye for now.